Hello, and welcome to Epiphanies with Elango. We've got an interesting guest again today, and we've got Jim Morrison from Doze on the Call. Welcome, uh, Jim. <laughs> I'm kidding. This is James Morrison. Uh, I can never do justice to his uh, introduction. Ex-FBI agent, um, former customer of ours, worked extensively in the technology business, very uh, known name in the cybersecurity space, Thank you, James, for making time uh, and for being on the show. I'd love for you to welcome, I'd love to welcome you, and I'd love for you to uh, introduce yourself to the listeners, because I don't think I can do justice to the plethora <laughs> of stuff that you've done in your career and the credits that you've uh, accumulated over the years. Well, first of all, thank you all for having me on. I mean, uh, it's been a journey. Um, I, I don't think my journey is over yet, um, but... Um, uh, you know, it's it's funny when you look back at, at a career and you go, wow, you know, I guess I did do that. And I guess I did, you know, um, so um, I, I started programming back in the 80s with a lot of high schoolers, uh, joined the military back in, the, in 88 um, and was lucky enough to end up in computer communications um, in that early time and uh, went to the Philippines, uh, uh, was there uh, for two and a half years and had some great experiences working with uh, early Internet um, the DDN and the AFNET node that we had there. Um, I became a Unix sysadmin, taught myself how to how to do Unix. Me and a me and a Navy guy down in the uh, naval section in Subic Bay were uh, going back and forth on notes. Went to the uh, transferred after about Pinatubo Blue, which is right over here. Uh, 1991 was there when Pinatubo exploded in uh, uh, exactly 30 years ago, almost. Uh, it's, I think it's April 15th or something, I think is when it blew. I went to Colorado Springs. Uh, was uh, We did a blue suit transition, uh, moving uh, satellite command and control over from uh, contractors to blue suit. Um, and uh, was named one of the first system administrators on uh, the Unix system there. Uh, so I became a database administrator, Unix sysadmin. Uh, you know, those were the days where you had everything. You were the network guy, you were the you know computer guy. and um, But at the same time, I was going to school. Um, I was trying to finish my bachelor's. I knew I needed to finish that. And I finished an engineering degree from Colorado Tech. And now I was caught. Now I was like, uh, you know, I, I can't become an officer. They were really not letting a lot of people become officers at that point. Um, so I, I left. Um, I, I decided it was time to transition. Uh, joined Lockheed Martin in uh, Kirtland Air Force Base as a, a database administrator, system administrator on Solaris system. So I did Solaris sysadmin for a while. Um, network, you know, uh, you know, did, you know, the old FIDI rings and, you know, token rings and, and just sort of really worked through those technologies, teaching myself, learning from the people that are around me. But I didn't like the, the government contract side. So I joined the Bureau. Um, I answered an ad in the paper. Um, I still have it. Um, people don't remember what newspapers were, but there was an advertisement that was about that big, and it said FBI needed system administrators. I was like, I can do that. <laughs> um, I joined the bureau, um, became a Novell sysadmin, um, Novell and Token Ring, um, and then transitioned us from Token Ring into uh, Ethernet and uh, Windows 2000, um, and and was one of the first sysadmins, you know, on that. Uh, and then became the the IT manager for the state of uh, New Mexico for the FBI, and uh, I, I was there for you know 9/11. Um, so you know I was uh, assigned to that office when 9/11 occurred. I was also on the evidence response team, which there's a totally different story set there. Um, I just wanted to be involved in cases, and I did that for about seven years, um, and then 
transitioned, um, figured it was time. Um, so I moved into the back room, started doing network engineering, uh, did that for about seven years and said, you know, time to change because it seems to be that's my way my world works. And uh, it was time to go home. And I was from Houston. And so I figured it was, I transitioned back to Houston. And I joined the cyber squad here in Houston as a uh, senior computer scientist. Um, there were, we were the first class. I was in the first class of computer scientists. There were 22 of us. And our job was to be that technical lead, um, working cases, you know, from a technical aspect, um, you know, taking the big data of, to try to be proactive against nation states and criminal actors. Um, I worked the Houston Astros intrusion where a St. Louis Cardinal employee was logging into the Houston Astros scouting database. And so I, I, I mean, you learned as you went, um, taught myself different programming languages and mainly because sometimes we had to capture code that was being used by malicious actors um, and, and, and decode that and then and actually put that, you know, and then, and then help write reports to help companies recognize that, um, you know, helping write, uh, you know, so we, we became, uh, um, you know, certified ethical hackers. All, there were 100 of us, 110 of us at, at, the, at the peak. Uh, we, we were ethical hackers. We, we went out to com companies, did digital forensics, um, you know, uh, built uh, uh, elk stacks, you know, big, big data, you know, uh, chewing up uh, the data that we had. And, uh, and then about three years before I finished, I said, you know, I feel like we're not doing enough for the, the businesses uh, in, in the Houston area, especially. And I started becoming the speaker for cybersecurity uh, in the Houston area. A lot of oil and gas events, a lot of petrochemical events, um, and, but also a lot of small and medium businesses. And 70% of cyber attacks are hitting small and medium businesses. And it was sad because, you know, these companies would come to me and say, hey, I got hacked. I got ransomware. What do I do? And, you know, because in the Bureau, we weren't allowed to really ever suggest product. You know, we could only say, I'm really sorry, report it to the FBI. It was it was almost frustrating at times. Um, I had worked I had worked with the uh, uh, cyber division back at headquarters on how do we improve um, some of our reporting mechanisms. You know, so we use an Internet Crime Complaint Center. Um, and people would file a complaint, you know, saying they'd lost $100,000 and never hear back from the FBI. And I said, you know, that's, I didn't feel like that was the right answer. And so they've done a number of improvements to improve the customer service aspect. But after I, I hit 30 years of government service, you know, after seven, eight years of doing that job, and I said, you know, maybe it's time to come out and try to do something different. Um, and Hewlett Packard Enterprise was, uh, you know, here in Houston, and I had had a relationship with them. And uh, had talked to, at some of their events about cybersecurity, security uh, at the firmware server level. Um, and they said, why don't you come and join us and do cybersecurity? So um, for 15 months, I've been, I'm a customer focused, which is kind of an interesting question because I'm not, it's not me talking, you know, about my cybersecurity internal to HP. It's me going out to customers and saying, what are you trying to do and how do we get you to a security model? And um, I, I'm that, I have a heart for that. Um, I, I, I really think that there's a lot of opportunity out there to help companies see a better security path, even if it's not an HPE product. And I know sometimes that gets my HPE handlers a little, uh, you know, you know, kind of off the, off the, you know, uh, cuff, but there's a ton of technological solutions. Um, and, and, and maybe just let me find out where you're trying to go. What's your, what's your transformation. And, um, but also, this is the, and this is kind of a, um, a really impressive is people remain the biggest security threat we have. Yeah. And, and COVID last year with everybody working from home, you're three times more likely right now to be fished um, from home than you were ever before that. 
Um, and so it's it's a it's a ch- it's really a change of paradigm. And 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 every every company that has remote workforce is struggling with how do we handle this new paradigm? How do we handle work from home? Because when we built our security network, we built our security network in that castle and moat idea, right? And all of the data and all of my employees were inside of my castle, and I had one exit. I had a firewall, and that was my exit. But that's not the reality anymore. Our reality now is is that 75% of the data that's created in our networks is created at the edge. It's created by mobility. It's created by IoT. It's created by, you know, now our employees. So security, a lot of the security products that we thought would protect us against the threats aren't working. So it's time to have a better conversation. It's time to really think about it and challenge ourselves to could we do better. And I'll, I'll say that internal, every technology, every technology company is the same way. How do we do it better? How do we make sure that what we're providing you isn't something that some, and I'm an, now I'm an engineer by trade, and I sat in the back room many a time and said, this is what that person needs. And I built this product and then it went out there and it didn't sell. It was crickets. So, <laughs> right? So it's not about an engineer telling you what you need. It's about you coming back to me and saying, this is what I need. And then I go back and help make sure that we're pushing, you know, we're pushing the designs in a way that's customer driven. And I think that's the world that we have to start living in. Yeah, so James, I, this is, um, I think firstly on your introduction, I'm like, my God, I'm going to be tired if I have to live a life as different and as so many changes, self-educated. So I'm going to reserve the FBI jokes for later. I'm going to come back. Oh, bring them. Now that I'm retired, I can I can take them. <laughs> the Jim Morrison and the FBI jokes are coming later. I love what you said, right? The whole earlier we we said we were in the castles, we had moats, and now code, not just COVID, just the whole fog computing, edge computing. IOTs changed everything for us. Yeah. And while there are probably uh, 5% of the companies in the world that are born in the cloud, uh, digital native, there's 95% that's still setting, sitting in legacy. So what advice would you have for our uh, for companies that are 95%, the 95% that are in legacy still... Um, not on cloud, still, um, you know, in a confused state of I would, some on-prem, some on cloud, um, manufacturing units, uh, employees uh, working from home, working from factories. There are no discrete units now, right? Everything is contiguous across. What advice would you have for companies in that 95% bracket? Well, change always comes from the top. I mean, whether we like it or not, I mean, you yeah. have to you have to come up with a use. Or they say the fish uh, rots from the head. <laughs> I like that. So hold on a second. My Alexa went off. There we go. We can talk about cybersecurity there. Um, so the, well, the first thing you need to do is first you got to come up with a use case, right? So uh, I think there's actually an opportunity here with like remote workforce, uh, virtual desktop infrastructure. Is is a is a really easy way to start justifying using the cloud in a way that will protect us, right? Because we 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 initially looked at cloud in a way to share data. Um, you know, and the public cloud has been this about sharing data across our entire you know portfolio, but security was kind of an afterthought. And now what's starting to happen is we're starting to see breaches that are occurring in cloud spaces. And there was a really big one about um, a video uh, video. Um, that were being stored in a cloud provider, and and uh, the data was lost because they didn't have good you know good security mechanisms. 
So now I think we, we see the world as hybrid. Um, this is the conversation we're having. And there's some data that you gotta keep close, right? So let's let's talk about first, what's the easiest, what's the easiest thing to take, right? So you have a huge problem, cloud, right? This huge, this let's break it down. What are the aspects of cloud that uh, would be immediately useful to you? And if you start down that pathway, if you say, let's say, let's say we start with virtual desktop infrastructure and it works, right? So you work with a company like HPE or whatever, and you say, you know what? I want to I want to deploy those virtual desktops to protect myself, protect the data, and it works. Well, now success breeds a secondary conversation because then you could say, well, you know what? I also want to home our apps. So next stage is I want to start. So so take it incrementally, but make sure that you know the appetite of the company you work for, right? Um, it's all, everybody has a different appetite for risk, and I, I tell this to every every company I talk to. You're all different. Your your network. There's no there's no homogeneous networks anymore. There's no green fields where I can just do what I want. You've got Cisco devices. You've got Aruba devices. You've got HP. You've got Dell. You've got you know you've got all of these. You know Lenovo. How do we increment that? How do we take one step forward, and and make sure that we're we're moving more in a cloud world. So that's why like, one thing that you know HP has this this thing going forward of every service we offer will be offered in the cloud by next year. IoT in the cloud, right? So you know yeah. every web camera could be homed in the cloud. OT in the cloud. I I had a great conversation with an oil and gas guy about taking all of his OT devices and pumping all of that all of the app side of it into the cloud, and he was like, "Wow, I just didn't even think about it that way." So it's it's. It's having, and I think conversations with people that I'm not, I, I don't have, I mean, I have a vested interest in HP, don't get me wrong, but I just want to have a security well, conversation. The HPE plug that you're doing. Well, but the question, <laughs> the question I look at is, is let's have a security conversation, not a product conversation. Let's um, just talk about a cloud conversation or a security conversation. Start there. Start with the conversation, and I mean, the world doesn't happen unless it's on paper. That's what I learned from the bureau, right? If, if it's not on paper, it never happened. So let's talk about what what are the pros and the cons of the cloud. What do you like? What don't you like? Are you afraid of the security? And then I think that's the place to start and, and move in that direction. And I, uh, James, thank you. I'll just summarize. I think change starts from the top. Start with use cases. There are no green fields. Incremental right. is fine. You don't need to do game changers and accept that the world's changed. Put it on paper, have discussion. Mm -hmm.